You're listening to the Collab Talk podcast, episode 79 of the MVP Buzz Chat series. In this episode, I'm talking with Office Apps and Services MVP, Rob Windsor. This is Christian Buckley with another MVP Buzz Chat, and I'm talking today with Rob. Hey, Rob. Hello. How's it going? Doing pretty well. So I think we're both uh, preparing for winter storms coming out, but uh, other than that, uh, things are going well. Yeah. Well, for folks that don't know you, Rob, why don't you introduce yourself, who you are, where you work, where you live, all that kind of stuff. So Rob Windsor. Uh, I live in, just outside of Toronto, Canada, in a place called Mississauga, and uh, I've been doing... SharePoint development for, geez, 15 years now, more. The beginning, pretty much. Well, no, I, 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 I started doing SharePoint stuff in 2003, but I, I looked at the, the development model at that point in time and realized I wanted nothing to do with it. But when 2007 was coming out, that's when I thought, okay, well, there's a true integration with ASP.NET, and uh, that's when I actually started doing development. On, on the SharePoint platform. I've been doing .NET since .NET came out and, and like, you know, stuff before that, Delphi and even back to Clipper and DOS stuff. Um, so uh, I'm a consultant with Pate Group, which is a SharePoint office consultancy out of uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, in addition, I do some advisory work uh, with uh, Sub Matthews in the UK for Provision Point. And I kind of try to split my time between consulting and training stuff. So I have recorded content for Pluralsight. I, I don't, I'm not doing that anymore, but um, I'm sort of deciding how I want to transition the training stuff. I've, I've started streaming on Twitch, which has been interesting. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. 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 So immediate kind of delivery, but I still do want to do like long form content, but I, I really haven't decided quite yet what the delivery platform will that will be. You know, I've thought about doing some, you're seeing more and more, um, uh, uh, tech people that are using Twitch as a platform rather than just, you know, the, the gamer activity. I think it's hilarious. I've had this idea, Rob, of, of doing these, uh, your serious Microsoft 365 kind of technical videos, walking through um, end user power user capabilities, but build the content like some of these Twitchers where it's like, it's got Fortnite as I'm talking, it's Fortnite playing. <laughs> and then I would go into like the demo but on the edges, you still see there's a Fortnite game going on. And then it comes back in where I'm explaining a principle and it's just Fortnite being played on screen. Well, that's actually interesting because I've had a conversation with a couple of people about you know, streaming on Twitch. And one of, the, one of the observations that I've been given is um, that people who stream technical content on Twitch, not all of them, but some of them, try to fit into the Twitch sort of uh, method of delivering stuff where you know there's alerts when people follow or subscribe and people there's there's a lot of like emotes that go on and stuff like that and how to what level do you want to do that because it can be distracting yeah. right so i mean i'm i'm just brand new with this and i have the, the most basic of you know theme set up and that so nothing like that happens in my streams yet <laughs> but i'm i'm kind of debating you know if if the stream grows, should I incorporate that stuff and to what level should I incorporate it? Um, but I totally get you, you know, and, and, and I, I kind of game, I, I don't have tons of time for gaming, 
uh, but I do play World of Warcraft and I do follow some World of Warcraft streamers. So I am familiar with Twitch, the platform in terms of delivering uh, the gaming experience on it. You'll see, I guess the, the reason I've just not gone that direction and done that kind of live streaming and I'm still, I'll push stuff out, I'll live stream, simulcast on, sometimes on YouTube and Facebook, um, which is uh, it, because the, the reason for that, the primary reason being is that's where a lot of the community people that we work with in the Microsoft ecosystem, yep. they're more so in, in the, on those platforms. Um, that's just how, where they are, where they congregate, where they comment, um, where they consume. Uh, content, but uh, I, I've thought the same thing. I actually went and set up. Uh, I've got a stream deck by Elgato. I've got a bunch of the tools to do this. I bought a bunch of other gear for my camera to so that I can have multiple screens. I've got OBS set up so I can actually do a live stream broadcast and switch angles and views and all that kind of stuff. And I just I haven't used it for any of this. Right. But it's I, I you know I but I have toyed with the idea of creating some videos, some simple walkthroughs, and then doing kind of the regular version, and then doing kind of the uh, you know the the uh, uh, millennial you know Gen Z version <laughs> of that same content, and just uh, I'm gonna like I, put I a fake really beard on and like you know vape while you're doing it or whatever. <laughs> that kind of I thought it'd be really funny. No, like <laughs> the, like the Fortnite idea, have yeah. the stats suddenly there's a meme it jumps to something else and then there's like there's a there's a a boy band playing and then some speed metal thing and i come back to it you know yeah yeah it's weird because um you know i've done i've done training content i've delivered it in many different mechanisms so i started out with classroom training well i guess technically i started out with user group presentations right and then conference presentations and then classroom training um and then i did the the pluralsight videos um but it's it, when I do webinars, I really dislike doing webinars and I don't, I'm not sure why, but it, it, I just, the fact that there's no interaction at all, it well, distracts well, that's me. Why I, I, so I agree. And that's, I, I really like the webinar model where it's a primary person like yourself that's doing the presentation going through, but you might have one, two people that are on there having conversations, asking questions in real time. And the good thing about that of having other people on is because one, it, it helps kind of fill in the dead spots around there, but also they can be doing some of the operational aspects of reading questions from people viewing it and right. serving that up kind of, uh, uh, you know, categorizing the, the comments or the questions coming in and saying, Hey, we got three people asking this question rather than you having to read through. So I think that's where Twitch comes in and, and you can do the same thing on YouTube. I'm, I'm not sure what the Facebook uh, platform looks like, but where there's an interactive chat going on during the presentation. And, and you know, it, it, depending on the size of the audience, the, the presenter, or me in this case, can monitor the chat and answer questions. Now, if you get um, a, a larger audience, then it might be worthwhile having a, like a moderator or somebody who will then highlight questions that have been asked repeatedly or something that they think is important and, and really um, is, is generic or sorry, pertains to the content, right? Right. So yeah, that's, so that I kind of like, so but I'm not sure what the difference is between having the interactivity and not, but I just find the, the one where there's not distracting. That's all. Well, but, but I, so I, I, I did, my perspective is a little more selfish. I said, if it's, <laughs> if it's more exciting for me to do it because I'm doing the interaction, but that, I mean, that's a, that's a valid point. It's like, if I'm bored giving this, because a lot of these, well, I'll speak for myself and you can agree or not agree, but 
I'll go in and do uh, webinars or I'll record content for sessions that I've done live several times and kind of worked out some of the kinks. Uh, and then I'll go and capture that before I shelve that and move on to kind of the next, uh, the, the, the next piece of content. Um, and so having that level of interaction, uh, because you might, if I've got you on as a panelist and I'm giving the primary thing, you might ask questions. I'm like, you know, that's a great question. I've not thought of that. Or, uh, so it, it, uh, it's a good you know, breakup of, of that content, but actually Rob, I want to point something out. Like the way that you've just kind of described your path from, uh, the training from the classroom training or user groups to classroom training to the other content, it's kind of a, it, it's a, that's, that's a fairly common path for MVPs to kind of you know, start out. I get that question a lot of, you know, how would I, do I go about becoming an MVP? And I don't want to go into the details of what that is because there is no one way to become, right. you know, there's no checklist of things to go and do and you become a Microsoft MVP. Uh, there's different paths for different people. Uh, but kind of what was, but I, I don't know if you'd add to that, anything that, that you would uh, expand on that people should be thinking about or could do. Yeah, well, so my path started in the early 90s. So, you have to take that into account that whereas today things might be different, right? But I think maybe the most valuable thing, most valuable piece of advice I was ever given um, was to get involved in user groups. And I did that early in my career. Um, so starting with Clipper and moving on to, like I said, Delphi and other stuff. Um, I've basically been involved in user groups and the user group community my entire career. And um, so, not only did that prep me for starting to do presentations and, and, and that side of the thing that, that I already discussed, but it also helped me start to build a network, right? And, and earlier on, that network was super important because we didn't have the internet, right? We had CompuServe forums and I guess AOL at the time, um, but it was nothing like it is today where, you know, you, you just Google and you go on Stack Overflow and, you know, and, for, for the most part, you know, things can, you can find out the answers to questions pretty, pretty quickly. Right. So um, I think that that was super important. And I would give the same advice today. Now I know that the user group community has the, the in-person user group community has, has changed say dwindled, but it's changed. Oh, it, it, sure. Well, it has in, in, well, in, in the areas that you and I work, I mean, it has, it's, it's diminished greatly. A lot of it has moved online and, and there's also just been a growth of other, you know, uh, events, annual, semi-annual events and, and Microsoft produced events that right. you have people thinking, well, why do I need to go and worry about taking two hours out of my afternoon to go and do this where I'm going in two months, I'm going to go see, you know, 10, 15 speakers at this event. Yeah. So I've, I've had this discussion with a couple of people lately around the transition from in-person community communities to remote communities, right? People who do like online presentations and that kind of stuff in, as opposed to having in-person meetings. And I really think that, I don't wanna say it's a disservice, but it, I really think there's super, there's a ton of value, perhaps more value in the relationships that you build at in-person events than the actual content that's delivered there, right? Correct, 100% um, so, agree with you, yeah. So I guess, I would say then that it, if you if there's not a local user group 
that you know has in-person events maybe look at sharepoint saturdays or some other thing where you can go and meet and talk face to face with people um, about the technologies that you're using because there's a lot of times where you don't know what questions to ask and if you don't then the whole remote thing doesn't really work right if you're not if you're completely unaware of certain technologies or certain things that you could be deploying or how other people are are tackling problems that you're facing then you just don't know what questions to ask to be able to get that information right so right. and and those discussions happen at lunch or in the hallway or at the sharepoint or wherever right yep you know it's interesting i was uh I, so i interviewed uh john levesque uh a little mm -hmm. over a week ago um for those that don't know john you can see him on my other series the microsoft buzz chat uh interview series uh, but he, so he is the uh, senior platform evangelist for Power Automate, formerly uh, Microsoft Flow. Right. And uh, so he's talking about, I mean, he does just a tremendous amount of stuff. He's got over 10,000 followers on his YouTube channel and, and uh, doing some really cool content and other stuff. And he's got, he's got the pattern down. And he was talking about um, creating content around kind of evangelism, building community. The first thought in my mind, because my my first involvement was just like you was back, you know, the early days of the of the internet was uh, ninety five or ninety six. Um, like I had done other groups, um, like uh, Toastmasters and that kind of stuff earlier than that. But my first user group, I believe it was the Bay dot net group. So ninety six, okay. I think ninety six, ninety seven, and but it was huge. It was, I think, if I've gotten the years correct, um, uh, it was, it may have even been one year later, but, you know, a couple hundred people meeting over in uh, uh, a, a college campus, like a community college in Concord, California, in the East Bay. And, you know, a couple hundred people at least, 200, 250 people, huge, huge crowd. Kind of difficult to get personal around that. Um, Fast forward a couple of years though, in 2002, I co-founded, I, I joined and was part of the uh, San Jose based and San Francisco based uh, software development forum. And they had user groups or SIG, special interest groups. Mm -hmm. And used to go to those all the time. And we were trying to pushing to get, you know, the uh, SDF to move out to the East Bay where 65, 70%, I think it's like 65% of IT workers in the Bay Area live in the East Bay and would commute a lot of them over down around the Bay. And, uh, and they just said, no, our, we're set along the peninsula. And so we went and formed what was called the East Bay IT Group and then became East Bay Innovation Group or ebig.org uh, and started running user groups. So I, that is 2002, like I ran the communication SIG, the collaboration SIG, and also the startup entrepreneur SIG. Uh, and I did that for years. And, and, but you're, you're exactly right. It's like, I, I made connections, made relationships like with, with people that I met through those that were regulars at the meeting that I maintain today. Mm -hmm. yep. And, and so it's the technology changes. It's always going to change. But the, if you don't have those relationships and build out that network, who are you going to go to for questions? Who are you going to go to to share ideas with and collaborate on? Uh, and but that's, I, think, so that's, I think that's what's lost. Yeah, so that's super important. And also opportunities, right? Like for the last, geez, last 20 years, every single opportunity I've had in terms of like work has come from my relationships that I built through community, like either conferences or community.
right? It's I've never I've, I haven't gone and looked for stuff. I haven't submitted a resume. I can't. I don't even know the last time I submitted a resume for anything. It's always been something that happened because I knew somebody and they were looking and I was looking and it worked out, right? And, and I would say even over my entire career, at least three quarters of the things, the jobs that I've gotten or the the career, the contracts that I've gotten are because of relationships I've made through community or conferences. Yeah, the other side of that too is that uh, when somebody has asked for a resume, I automatically don't take them seriously. It's like you, you approached me because of my, you know, my, my, the content, because of these, my kind of my position within the community. You've right. heard of me, you saw me speak, you said, Hey, this would be great, but we need to see a resume. It's like, it's like, yeah, go, go away. Or, or I mean, the, the other answer is just like my LinkedIn profile. That is my resume. And yeah. It, and today that's really, that's really right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's, uh, what stuff are you talking about presenting on now? Kind of what are the topics that have uh, caught your fancy? <laughs> so I do, I do a lot of SharePoint framework stuff. Uh, I have a, a few t talks that I do around SharePoint framework, uh, Microsoft Graph and Azure stuff. Um, Microsoft Flow, a little bit of Microsoft Flow. Um, so I'd say I, m most of my focus is SharePoint framework. But even today, like SharePoint framework, it's it's not it's not just SharePoint anymore, right? Right. You know, today uh, that that includes Teams. It, it it does include Azure, and which means that you or the graph, which means you've got to know a little bit about Azure authentication. So, uh, it's hard to say today that you kind of just focus in one kind of narrow area, because everything is interrelated, right? Right. Well, it's uh, but I guess my my follow up question to that is like, but what is it that has you really excited? Like, what's the you know, what, what what's the thing that the, the I don't know the, the the announcement over like the last year that's that you're like really passionate about? Um, so I don't know if it's actually a recent thing, but I'd say the thing that I'm most interested in right now is incorporate like Azure Functions and how to incorporate that into to the development process that I'm using. Um, that was actually uh, the topic of one of the the Twitch streams that I've done is uh, how to do uh, Azure functions that integrate with SharePoint framework that use delegated authentication. So the user credentials flow through to the Azure function. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just exploring more, I guess Azure and the graph are the kind of areas that really, in terms of learning, that I'm most focused on. But if you go to my Microsoft to-do, in the stuff to learn section, I think there's like more than 15, 20 items, right? So there's a lot of things that I would really love to just, you know, go on the, the, the proverbial island by myself with the, of course, fiber op, you know, fiber internet connection and just be able to really, really learn. It's very popular in the islands to have that fiber <laughs> internet connection. <laughs> you know, but just basically isolate myself off and, and have a chance to really just focus on, on learning stuff, so. You know, it's, it's interesting, I was just going through my OneNote yesterday where I was uh, finished an article and was working on some client content. And I, and I use it once in a while, I'll go through and I'll, cause I'll, I'll use it as my catch all for content and ideas. And right. Sometimes it'll just be like two or three bullets with a link to an article. And I found something that I, I linked, it was in 2012. I'm like, yeah, that's not so up to date. I'm going to delete that item. Right. Um, but um uh, but I'll do the same thing. I have kind of mine. I'll constantly reprioritize. And if I see themes that are coming up, one of the first places that I'll go and research 
to about writing an article is in with my own within my own notes. Right. Uh, you know. So for me, it's it's generally like um, just in time learning, right? So I'm I'm I know I'm going to need to know something for an upcoming contract, or we're in negotiations or discussions with a client about something, and I. I I know maybe I don't absolutely need to know it right now, but I might need to know it. And if I have time, I'll, I'll do that. So that's kind of how I prioritize my, my learning is really on what I think potentially I'm going to need to know for upcoming contracts. But in the absence of that, um, like logic apps, there's, there's one that I would love to spend some time, you know, and really kind of focus on and learn and understand the difference between logic apps and flow. Um, that's an that's an area where I would just love to pick that out. I'm having it's not to something I really need to know right to two clients. Same thing. It's like I'm learning about logic apps right now just because it's relevant with two of my clients. Yeah. So, um, but you know, it, I've got. I've, unfortunately, I'm you know I have two or three places where I keep that information. Sometimes it's bookmarks in my browser. Sometimes it's Microsoft To Do. Sometimes it's just sticky notes on my desk. Uh, a little analog, a little, you know, yeah. uh, going back and, uh, <laughs> I just put those on screen. I'm like, hold up. I was like, I'm constantly, I'm, I'm a list guy. So I have yeah, me too. like, you know, different colors and sizes of, of stickies and stuff that I have. If you can see my desk down here, yeah. uh, but I, then I consolidate, I move it. I'm using, I've got to do that's open on my screen and then one yeah. note. Yeah. Yeah. So I've never really adopted OneNote, but to do, I, I have. And uh, I know, I know. What? I know. You're not yeah, one of these Evernote people, are you? No, I'm more paper and sticky notes. That, so yeah. it's, it's that, and then that goes to do, or to tasks and Outlook. Well, you know, right. I've got the spiral bind. I've got all that. Uh, yeah, see, see, yeah I, so I for that. me, it's, yeah. it's folders, folders and, you know. So. Uh, like analog folders. Like like this <laughs> like that yeah <laughs> you're like old school folders yeah 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 metadata that rob <laughs> <laughs> now one thing that's that's uh, i found fantastic lately is microsoft stream so when i'm in a teams meeting it's you know um do you mind if i record this because that way if i need to go back and look at it it's it's uh it's, it's right there now i've been told that that might there might be GDPR implications to that. Um, but most of the people that I'm working with are in North America. So that's, um, that's not problematic, but we do have some international clients where I, then I, then I'm just forced myself to make handwritten notes. You know, what almost need to do is, is kind of like you have the setting where you automatically know within teams, for example, that uh, you have external people. It's kind of flagged within the team or the channel. And uh, to do the same, have a flag that you can manually set up, uh, that if you have people that are within, you know, Europe and you need to be aware of that, I don't know, just having a visual cue, just yeah, ideas out loud, you know? Yeah. But, but uh, I think we all have a, the different way, um, different way of, of keeping that information that works for us. Right. Yeah. So what works for me is when somebody European, like once in a while, somebody's like, you know what? I'd never signed up for this email you know, that you just sent me which is completely untrue because I don't do, I don't, you don't get added unless you've, right. somebody, you know, but, but anyway, and then they say, send me all information about how you're using my name. And, and I do what a lot of smaller businesses do, which is I delete them completely from my system. So mm -hmm. it's a non-issue. Right. Yeah. Right. 
So that's harder to do with the client, I know, and capturing information in teams. And yeah, it's also harder to do when, you're, when their information is sitting on a piece of paper somewhere. In the <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> Although it's not their personal information, so that's, I guess that's not important. It's so funny. I worked as a consultant for a couple of years. One of the things I did was I audited, uh, audited systems and processes, especially in uh, finance departments. I had a very large client. Um, they were almost a billion dollar company. I was auditing their uh, accounting organization and, and uh, went through and people lost their jobs because of having things written down on pieces of paper that were sitting on their desks. And, uh, and rightfully so. They were warned there were processes in place and they right. continued to abuse that. But it's, uh, you know, this day and age where we've moved so much forward with the, with the digital, you know, it, but it just comes down to there, there needs to be that process still needs to fit in the way with you know, the way in which we collaborate. If there's not, if it's a, you know, the capture of the information that you need access to, to be able to work with that client, if there's not, uh, you know what, I, I'm rambling on uh, a, a something that's spun off of another uh, thought here and I'll, uh, I'll edit at this point. <laughs> so, but it's uh, no, I think it, it, with the, I'll, I'll round it out this by just saying that it's uh you know, we have to be much more conscious about how we are, uh, who we're collaborating with, how we're collaborating, what we're capturing and what we're not ca capturing. It almost needs to be like a Miranda rights type uh, statement. You know, to, are you aware that this is what I'm doing? I'm, uh, well, it's kind of like you, you talk to your bank, you know, any financial institution, and they say, this call is being recorded for quality purposes and for right. records and that kind of thing. And you kind of almost need to have that statement kind of baked in when you're having these collaborative uh, activities with external people. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Anyway, I know <laughs> I'll, I'll shut up on that point, but well, Rob, uh, it, it's been great talking to you. What, where can people find you? They want to find out more about you. They want to learn more about uh, what you do. What's the best way to reach you? So Twitter is probably the easiest way. So at Rob Windsor, um, I have uh, a blog, so uh, msmvps.com slash Windsor. It's my blog, uh, my, my brand new Twitch channel. So Rob Windsor 06, there is a, already a Rob Windsor and I haven't had a chance. I don't so think they if actually- you're under, If you're under 21 and you want to go watch, <laughs> find out more about Rob, then. <laughs> uh, and my YouTube, so I, I do the, the Twitch streams that I've uh, recorded. I put those on YouTube. I have those. I also have a bunch of other content uh, and that is um, Toronto geek. That's a name I picked like a million years ago and I guess nice. you can't change it on YouTube. So <clears throat> yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to, but yeah. it is what it is. Right. Yep. Well, Rob, really appreciate your time today and uh, it's great connecting and I'll see you in like uh, like a month and a half ish, two months. Yeah, absolutely. In Seattle, right? See you in Seattle. All right. Yeah. All right. Thanks.